0: greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 154 Egypt cannot protect you. Ishmael's thoughts turned inward as he contemplated how much treasure he would receive from the king of Ammon for eliminating the leadership of Judah. He was still picturing how grateful the king would be for the gifts of slaves and Zedekiah's daughters. When a commotion broke out among the captives, prisoners were lying prostrate on the ground with their ears pressed into the dirt. I can hear hoofbeats. There are horses coming! Lots of them! One of the captives yelled. Help is on the way! We are saved! Quiet! Ismael shouted. Get those prisoners moving, he commanded his goons. There's still a chance we can make it. Whip them if you have to. But it was too late a mass of horsemen charged out from behind a ridge of hills and straight toward the prisoners. Seeing he was outnumbered, Ishmael immediately turned and fled toward the east. His men tried to follow, but two were not quick enough. Johanan's men killed them. When Ishmael arrived in Ammon, it was with only eight men. Now that the prisoners were freed, Johanan faced a dilemma. Gedaliah was dead, and the Babylonians were sure to be upset. Johanan worried that King Nebuchadnezzar might think the people of Judah had killed Gedaliah so someone with royal blood could retake the throne. We have no choice but to flee to Egypt. Johanan told the gathered crowd, The Babylonians are not far off, but if we can make it to Egypt, there is no way they would dare attack us. Many of the people agreed with him, but others weren't so sure. Someone suggested that they ask the prophet Jeremiah, who was among the released captives. Johanan agreed, and he led a substantial convoy to go see the prophet. We, we don't know what to do now that Gedaliah is dead, they said to Jeremiah. Should we stay with our land and hope the Babylonians deal justly with us, or should we flee to Egypt for protection? Would you please
1: ask the Lord thy God what we should do? I will pray to God, who is your God too, Jeremiah replied. I will tell you exactly what he says.
0: We will happily do whatever God says, they assured the prophet. We just want to know his will. Many of the people expected an answer right away, but several days passed with no response. God was testing their patience. He often makes us wait on the answers to our requests in order to build our character and our faith. Finally, after ten days... Jeremiah called Johanan and the others to speak with them.
1: I'm happy to report that God has revealed what you should do, Jeremiah told the expectant crowd. God says to return to your homes. Don't fear the Babylonians. He will take care of them. If you listen to God, he will bless you and prosper you and cause you to grow and multiply in your homeland.
0: As the prophet spoke, a low rumble began in the crowd.
1: But Jeremiah pressed on. If you choose to ignore God's word and go into Egypt, God says that you will die. Some of you will starve. Some of you will get terribly sick and the rest will be killed. Just as God's fury was poured out on the people of Jerusalem for their disobedience, his fury will be poured out on any who flee to Egypt for protection. If you go to Egypt, you will never return.
0: Jeremiah finished speaking. He could see Johanan and several leaders heading toward him.
1: Before they could say a word, Jeremiah spoke again. Why does my saying upset you? You should be happy. God has commanded you to stay in the land he gave to your forefathers. But you are angry and upset because you never really wanted to know God's will. You promised to do what God said. But in your heart, you had already decided your course. You have been warned. If you do this thing, you will die in Egypt. That's not true. All we wanted was the truth,
0: replied Johanan's men.
1: Did it really take 10 days to get God's answer? Or perhaps it took you 10 days to make up this story. God doesn't want us to stay in Judah.
0: When the Babylonians find out that Gedaliah is dead, they are sure to come back to make the rest of us slaves. Your friend Baruch has turned you against us.
1: He has always, Love the Babylonians more than his own people. You are the one lying, replied Jeremiah. Baruch's loyalty is not in question. He has only written the words that God gave me to deliver. We all know how friendly you and Baruch are with the Babylonians,
0: retorted another man. Yash, tell us, what did you have to promise them to get out of jail? Another mocked. We we need to stop arguing and start packing declared a third. The Babylonians
1: could already be on their way here.
0: Jeremiah looked at his people with sadness.
1: Do what you like, but Baruch and I will stay here as God commanded. I'll decide who goes and who stays,
0: interjected Jehanan.
1: We are all going to stick together, so that means you and your
0: scribe will come with the rest of us into Egypt. Pack your bags. Johanan, Jeremiah, Baruch, Zedekiah's daughters, and the rest of the Jews trudged south and west toward Egypt. After a long march, they came to the walled fortress city of Tarpanes, which was located about 50 miles east of the most eastern branch of the Nile River. This city eventually became known as the Castle of the Jews' Daughter to locals. The Egyptians allowed the Jewish refugees to settle in the area. Kapanes was an important site for Egypt. From here, the nation could project its power northward into the land of Judah and beyond. When the refugees arrived, Egyptian workmen were building a regional palace for Pharaoh. Part of the structure included a massive raised platform made out of bricks. Because so many bricks were needed... The Egyptians had spread large piles of clay across the construction zone to make the bricks and then bake them in the sun. One clay pile was located near the entrance to Pharaoh's new palace. One evening, after the workmen had finished for the day, Jeremiah called all the leading Jews to the construction site. When they arrived, they watched as he and Baruch carried a large boulder over to one of the piles of clay. They dumped it there, next to several other boulders that had also been moved. While Baruch picked up a shovel and began burying the large rocks, Jeremiah faced the crowd.
1: Everyone, take a good look at those stones,
0: Jeremiah said as he looked at Johanan and the other leaders.
1: You think you have gotten away with disobeying God? But it won't be long before Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, sets up his throne on these very rocks. His tent will cover the ground you are standing on.
0: Haven't you stopped trying to scare everyone yet? scoffed one of the men. Look at the great walls that surround this city. Do you think Pharaoh would build a palace in a city he wasn't going to defend? We are far safer here than back in Judah,
1: scoff all you want,
0: replied Jeremiah.
1: But God says that the king of Babylon is about to invade Egypt. He will burn the temples of the Egyptian gods with fire. Many Egyptians will be killed, many more will starve, and countless others will die of disease. Many of those who are left will be taken as slaves. All of Egypt's wealth will belong to King Nebuchadnezzar, who will do all these things as easily as a shepherd puts on his coat. There will be no stopping him, and you will not escape. This is your last warning.
0: As Jeremiah turned to walk away, one man shouted at him,
1: Where are you
0: going? The prophet did not reply. Back in Judah, Jerusalem was empty and deserted. King Nebuchadnezzar had given the order to completely level the city. The temple was destroyed and the palace burned. The captives were herded more than 200 miles north to the city of Riblah in Syria, where Nebuchadnezzar had set up his temporary headquarters. It was here that the captured King Zedekiah, most of his family, and much of the Judaic nobility, were brought to answer for their rebellion. The penalty for your crimes is death, King Nebuchadnezzar told a visibly shaking Zedekiah. Thousands of people are dead because of you. Zedekiah lowered his head and stared at the chains binding his wrists and ankles. He knew what was in store for him. He had heard of the cruelty of the Babylonians He knew that when they finished torturing him, he would welcome death. If only I had listened to Jeremiah. The king thought mournfully. Nebuchadnezzar continued. But I have decided to spare your life. Engrossed in his bleak thoughts, Zedekiah almost didn't hear those words. When they sank in, his head jerked up to look at Nebuchadnezzar. Surprise, hope flooded him, but it would be short-lived. King Nebuchadnezzar motioned to his guards. Suddenly, a scuffle at the back of the room broke out. Zedekiah turned to see armed soldiers dragging his sons to the front of the hall. Horrified, Zedekiah was forced to watch as his sons were killed before his eyes. It was the last thing he would see. After his last son was killed, soldiers used a hot metal knife to remove Zedekiah's eyes. When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took Zedekiah with him. The blind Zedekiah would spend the rest of his life in a Babylonian prison. Although God allowed the nation of Judah to go into captivity, he had given the people plenty of opportunity to repent before punishment came. Through prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and others, God had warned the people to turn from their idolatry and paganism. God had warned the Jews that unless they turned from their evil ways— They would go into captivity just like the northern kingdom of Israel had 135 years before. Judah, however, was not scattered across the nation as Israel had been. The Jews would eventually return to Judah and rebuild Jerusalem, but God had another plan for the northern tribes of Israel. For the Jewish outcasts who had not been taken captive... Daily life was a bitter struggle to find food and shelter. Their hastily abandoned properties were overrun by wild animals. Their fields and orchards became overgrown with weeds. Much of the land of Judah was barren and empty. In Babylon, two kings of Judah, Jehoiachin and Zedekiah, wasted away in prison. The captive Jews occupied land north of Babylon. There, they mourned over their wretched state, longing to go back to Jerusalem. The Jews soon began to realize that they were without excuse. Jeremiah's and Ezekiel's prophecies often overlapped, and thus should have been a strong warning to those people. But this is usually the way it is with God's true prophets. People often don't believe their warnings until it is too late. Ezekiel also warned that the king of Babylon would conquer Egypt. He prophesied that Nebuchadnezzar would capture Egypt like a fisherman catches a fish with a net and that he would throw the fish onto the beach for the ravenous birds and wild beasts to eat. This vivid imagery confirmed God's words to Jeremiah that the Jews who fled to Egypt against God's warning would find no safety. Ezekiel was much more than a prophet to the Jews. Like Jeremiah, he was really a prophet for the future for the time period just prior to Jesus Christ's second coming. One thing Ezekiel wrote about was how people will be resurrected in the future. He prophesied about what the world will be like when a resurrected King David would once again rule Israel and all the nations of the world. The prophet described another prophecy of the temple that will be built in Jerusalem during the thousand-year period following Jesus Christ's return. Ezekiel also told of a future prophet who would serve as a watchman before the Great Tribulation. Ezekiel had many warnings for the future descendants of Judah and Israel, those of our time today. God promised King David that he would always have a descendant sitting on his throne to rule over Israel. He had also promised there would be a lawgiver with a message about David's throne. But when all of Zedekiah's sons and the nobles were executed and the palace in Jerusalem was destroyed, many began to wonder if God had broken his word. King Jehoiachin, the last king of Judah chosen by the people, sat in a prison cell in Babylon. He had sons who could potentially be crowned king, but like him, they were stuck in a dungeon. Eventually, he was released, and one of his grandsons was made governor of Judah by the king of Persia, but he was never crowned king God never allowed any of these men to be king. God had prophesied that this line would never again rule from the throne of David. But God always keeps his promises. He would not let the throne of David die. God kept the royal line intact, but in a way people did not expect. God inspired both Jeremiah and Ezekiel to write about how he would provide a successor to David's throne. Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesied that David's throne would be established elsewhere. They also warned that Egypt would fall to Nebuchadnezzar. Back in Egypt, the Jewish refugees failed to heed God's warnings, except for Baruch. The daughters of Zedekiah and a few loyal subjects most ignored Jeremiah. Then one day, just as God had said, Nebuchadnezzar's army arrived in Egypt. The foolish Jews were shocked and dismayed. They quickly realized how unwise they had been to ignore Jeremiah's warning. Once again, God's word was proved unstoppable. The Babylonian army utterly destroyed the Egyptians. Secular history indicates that just prior to the Babylonian invasion, Egypt was engulfed in a devastating civil war. With the nation divided, it had little strength to mount much resistance thus fulfilling God's prophecies that the king of Babylon would conquer Egypt as easily as a shepherd puts on his coat. Once again, God provided a miracle and protected those obedient to him. Just as the Babylonians spared Jeremiah's life when they conquered Jerusalem, Jeremiah and his entourage were protected during the Babylonian invasion of Egypt those Jews who had scoffed at God's warning were either killed or made slaves and carted off to Babylon. When the Babylonians departed, taking Egypt's treasure with them, Jeremiah was finally free to complete the mission God had given him. His group set off for the nearest Mediterranean port to find a ship. They were about to begin an epic journey to restore the throne of David. Irish and Celtic European annals preserve the record of a young Irish prince who accompanied them. Evidently, the prince had been with Jeremiah in Jerusalem during the Babylonian siege and married one of the Jewish princesses in Jeremiah's care he would now escort them on their trip, which would take them to Spain and eventually back to the prince's home in Ireland. Although the details of this trip are not chronicled in Jeremiah's writings, Irish annals record that not long after the fall of Jerusalem, an elderly white-haired patriarch, sometimes referred to as a saint, came to Ireland. With him was the prince's daughter of an Eastern king, and a companion called Simon Brach, spelled in different histories as Brach, Berek, Brach, or Barach. The princess had a Hebrew name, Tefi. Besides the royal family, this patriarch brought with him a harp, an ark, And a wonderful stone called Leothel, or Stone of Destiny. There are many fascinating details about how God transplanted the throne of David to Ireland. You can read about it and many other details regarding the supposedly lost ten tribes of Israel in the book The United States and Britain in Prophecy by Herbert W. Armstrong. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel provide fascinating insight into this history. Ezekiel prophesied that the throne of David would be overturned three times. The first overturn happened when an Israelite prince from Ireland married one of Zedekiah's daughters. David's throne was transferred to Ireland. That dynasty lasted many generations. Eventually, the throne was overturned a second time, when it was moved, along with the Stone of Destiny, from Ireland to Scotland. The third overturn happened when the stone was taken from Scotland to England by Edward I. Today, the monarch of Britain sits on the throne that can trace its history all the way back to King David. This is the same throne that Jesus Christ is prophesied to sit on in Jerusalem when he returns to establish his rule on earth. The history and prophecy of the throne of David is one of the most exciting stories ever told.